Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and Wingman Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class self-support services with integrity. And on this podcast, we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. Hi, and welcome. This is Rudy Rodriguez with the High Event Profit Show. And on today's show, we have a very special guest, Mr. Dominic, who actually has been in the event space since 2018. And uh, interestingly enough, in the crypto space, I know there's a lot of interest in crypto, and he's hosted over a dozen events, has over 4,000 people who've attended his event as paying customers, has coordinated over 250 uh, speakers who've spoken. And even recently, Dominic, you and I had the opportunity to play together at a recent event. So we're excited to have you on the show. And I think today the show title is something along the lines of teaching us how to really best serve our community with live events and how to get more high paying clients right now. So excited to have you on. Welcome, Dominic. Pleasure to be here, Rudy. Thanks for having me on. Most definitely, my friend. Um, you know, we'd love to jump right into the meat and potatoes for our audience and start, you know, talking about some of your experience and some of your uh, suggestions on the show topic. Um, so love to hear from you, man. Like, you know, you recently did an event um, just like a month ago or so. It's very successful from what I could tell. And I'm curious to learn from you, you know, what are some of the things that you do to prepare before an event? You know, looking back now, what's the advice you give yourself before you did your most recent event? You know, a lot of times, thanks for me. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on again. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's uh, events, you know, they, uh, they add gray hair. <laughs> so uh, uh, they're pretty, pretty stressful, but uh, really rewarding, right? I find them to be really rewarding. I'm, I'm an extrovert, extrovert by nature. So my fiance says, you know, you're, you're naturally made for events and now you're hosting them. So it's great, you know, so, and it's also a way for us to serve our community. So that's the number one thing that we're really trying to accomplish is just serve, serve our existing community of, of, uh, of members and also obviously uh, collect more. And so one of the things that we like to do is, is really forecast out at least a few months uh, of, of runway of like what exactly needs to be done. When does it need to be done? So we we're very structural that way. Uh, and you also helping us with that towards the uh, towards the end of that was really really important. So it was great to great to have you uh, in, integrated into that process. Uh, but one of the things is is you need to identify obviously if you're going to have some some external speakers, right? Is it just going to be you leading the event, or you're going to have external speakers? For us, we were going to have some external speakers. So being able to at least have those existing relationships to call on, or if you need to secure those relationships and you need to allocate some time for that. Right. So that's really, really important. So it depends on where you're starting as a as an event organizer. Are you doing it, you know, for the first time or are you doing this as a subsequent time and you already have an existing network of speakers that you'd like to bring in? Um, I know for us, the first year that we did it, we had no brand recognition. We had no name. We had none of that. So we really had to, like, pound the table and, and go and get that ourselves. And that was one of the things that I did that first year. And I crushed LinkedIn doing it. Like I literally LinkedIn was was our sole resource for being able to secure speakers to speak at our event. Um, another thing, too, is that you'll find is from a budgetary standpoint, you may not have a budget to pay a lot of speakers. And so for us, fortunately, we never had to pay them. There was maybe a few speakers, really high profile ones that we paid. Um, but by and large, we didn't we didn't really compensate them other than like room, hotel accommodations, things like that on occasion, some air travel. Uh, but, uh, you know that's that's one thing that you really got to consider is how many speakers you're going to have now if you're not doing trade show style events like we did the first couple of years 
then, you know, maybe your budgets aren't, aren't as big as, as what ours was. But uh, that's something you have to consider because, like I said, we booked 250 speakers over two years. That would get obscenely expensive if you were having to cover travel and accommodations for a lot of those, right? So I think another key point here is you really need to understand what is the outcome that you're looking for? What is the goal of, of the event? Is it to enroll more high paying clients into your, into your business? Or is it kind of more of a trade show style event like we did the first couple of years, right? Um, so really having an idea on what that looks like and, and a crystal clear vision of what that is, uh, is really, really important. Um, from, a, from a syntax standpoint, knowing what that is, what you're optimizing for, now you can have a, now you can start to kind of build in a flow. And again, having, knowing whether you're gonna have outside speakers or not, or if it's gonna be all internal, that's gonna obviously decide, determine how much more runway that you need to plan for. Um, but, uh, but for us, um, you know, doing that about our last event we did, let's see here, we really had about two months of runway of planning uh, to do it. So we didn't have a lot of time. So fortunately, we had a good team behind us that was able to really execute on that. Um, but also, you know, with what goes on in our ecosystem, at least maybe it is for some of the people that are listening to this, is that there's, there's so much going on in the world right now. And with our industry, crypto, I mean, you know, one month in crypto is like a decade in any other industry. So you gotta, you gotta really be flexible. And so having flexibility also built into your event agenda and your syntax is extraordinarily important because you may have an idea two months out of what you want to talk about, but then all of a sudden something massive in your industry happens and you need to include that because if you don't include it, people that are, that are there are gonna kind of feel like they, you know, they got gypped a little bit because you're not talking or you're not addressing about the elephant in the room. And so for us, that was Ukraine, right? What is the, what is the impact that Ukraine has had on, on global markets, on crypto, on macro and all these kinds of things. So fortunately we were able to adjust and we were able to actually include that and serve our clients at the highest level. Awesome, man. Very cool. I appreciate you sharing all that and uh, all of your experience with preparation. And speaking of speakers, uh, I was very impressed by the lineup that you guys had at your recent event. I mean, they were world-class speakers, great engagement. Like people were in the room most of the time, like they weren't in the hall, you know, chit-chatting. They were in the room. They were so engaged. Um, so thank you for sharing some of your strategies around um, lining up great speakers. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious, Dominic, you know, you do all the prep work to get people to an event. By the way, do you have any other tips you want to share as far as uh, what worked for you as far as the most recent event and preparing and, and for the event and getting people there? Yeah, I'll actually add a little bit even before that. So as it pertains to LinkedIn itself, right, um, is, you know, going to the speaker themselves is probably, you know, you could try that, right? But the first year that we, that I did outreach for, for speaker outreach effectively on LinkedIn, not very many people <laughs> accepted my, my uh, LinkedIn request, right? As you can imagine. However, finding out which company they work for, going to somebody else inside the company, connecting with them, having a script, but also personalizing the script. Because as anybody knows, you know, when you get all those LinkedIn messages, you, you sense how much of them are canned and, and uh, copywritten and how much of them are actually legitimate and with this person actually writing a thoughtful message. So I would encourage you guys to definitely read the message back as if you were the recipient of it. And is this thing canned? Is this thing, could this be construed as something that's just spam? And if so, change it, change it, throw it, throw it away. And, and in fact, maybe even start with small uh, messages to begin with, just to kind of get them to, to message you back, right? Because you want to at least get that engagement going, right? And then 
Um, if that's somebody else in the company, like maybe you know another executive, maybe they're a, a executive assistant, something like that, um, you definitely want to have your ducks in a row of what your pitch is too, right? It's got to be compelling enough for them to really want to be able to be a, a participant. Now, once if, if you've already established yourself, this this process becomes so much easier, right? Um, then you're able to obviously go to speakers who have already spoke at your event. You can utilize their networks, which you know the second year that we produced an event. We had more speakers than we could possibly handle. We were, we were sending people away. We were a lot more discerning that second year than we were the first year. And that's just a tale of two years between having no reputation in the space to then establishing yourself as having a very solid reputation. So I wanted to address that. Uh, the other thing as far as planning is concerned is, uh, you know, from a, you really got to identify kind of what, which event are you really optimizing for? Are you optimizing for a high-end event? Are you selling a 50K mastermind on the back end, a 30K mastermind at the back end? If so, then you might want to have it at a pretty decent hotel, right? You want to create an experience uh, for people that are there because the whole while they're there, it's, it's you know, sales start from the minute they get in the door, right? In fact, it, I would say that it starts before that in the experience of, of, of actually registering, right? So all of these types of things, think of ways that you can do it to a higher degree, to a higher level with additional nuance that, that kind of makes them feel, you know, supported. Um, you know, Rudy, we've even talked about, you know, some creative white ideas of stuff that you can do online that to, you know, like reward people who register by sending them, you know, lunch to their, to their house, right? Grubhubbing a lunch to their house, you know, things like this that they create that extra level of that two millimeter shift, as you like to call it, which I love. It's, it's those types of things that are going to enhance the experience for these, these uh, for your viewers and attendees all along the way. So, so obviously venue is being a very, very critical component for us. The first couple of events that we did, right. We, our, our identity was, we were going to be a higher, uh, you know, uh, like a VIP level event, right. So that's why we hosted our event on the Las Vegas strip. Right. The first event was at the Aria Hotel. Second event was at the Cosmopolitan the next year. And so having it at these really high profile places is it really puts you on the map. Right. And so venue is really important. Now, obviously, it costs a lot of money to do that. So that may not be in your budget, but you have to kind of understand what is it that you're optimizing for. If you're up if you're going to sell a 50K thousand, you know, fifty thousand dollar mastermind on the back end, you probably don't want to have it at a red roof end. Right. So, you know, these are just things you need to consider. That's a great point that I think might get overlooked is, you know, what is the whole experience being created, including where's the hotel, right? You're asking for 50 grand, 100 grand, 30 grand, like you probably want to be somewhere nice. <laughs> Creating that experience the whole way through, right? It, it also anchors their experience, right? People are walking through a hotel and they have glass chandeliers and great service and great food. That whole experience is connected to you and your event. Um, one of the things I appreciate about you, Dominic, and, and the Redwoods team at your recent event is you guys um, provided breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and like cocktails and all sorts of networking opportunities at no additional cost, really, just being there. And it was really, I was blown away by, by the experience that you guys created for your participants there. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I would be remiss to step over the fact that um, you're a great event promoter as well. I mean, you know, you've had over 4,000 paid attendees at your events in the last you know few years and i'm curious to ask man like what worked what works for you in, in the realm of like getting people to buy tickets and come to your events yeah i mean well that's uh <laughs> being in a uh, industry that is growing that is very important right uh with crypto uh, the amount of people now i will say this 
I will say that we had uh, the first year that we were in, the first year that we did an event, 2018, it was actually in a crypto bear market. Now, we didn't know that until after we had already done the event, right? Because things change quickly again. Uh, so you got you to gotta, you gotta understand where you're at in the cycle of your own industry. But for us, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. We were very fresh and new to the industry, number one. And number two, because we were using it as a, as a reputation builder. So until after we did the event, we didn't recognize the, the, how significant what we had accomplished which by having 2,000 people there that year. Now, uh, truth be told, we did give away you know, a, a portion of those, of those tickets to get, you know, to get people there. Um, still sold over 4,000 tickets over the course of two years. But that first year, we did have to, we did have to create some additional incentives to get people uh, to come. Uh, but by doing that, we also established our reputation. So that was that was really important. Um, so I would say that uh, you know, from a from a promotion standpoint, having promotional partners is extraordinarily important, right? Having people who are going to vouch for you and expose you to their audiences supremely important. I mean, we still have people that talk about our conferences back in 2018, 2019, still to this day. I was actually listening to a YouTube the other day of a guy, a guy who was an influencer that was on a, one of our panels back then. And he was talking about us. And I'm like, dude, the last time we did an event uh, for, for that company was back in 2019, pre-pandemic. So to, to still be talked about in, in admirable terms uh, many years later is obviously means something, means that we did something right. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that because uh, you are really good at promoting events. To your point, the thing I took away is being in a growing market, growing industry where there's a lot of interest, right? Um, very important. And you are in a very uh, growing, probably one of the growing, the fastest growing markets on the planet, right? <laughs> so I'd have to agree. Yeah. yeah well, and something too, if I can say, Rudy, like for us, so here, contrast the differences here, right? So we had 2,000, a little over 2,000 people at each event. Okay. However, that was in a bear market in our industry. In a bull market, which is, you know, last year they had the first kind of Bitcoin conference. Uh, let's see here. That was in June, I want to say May, June. There was over 13,000 people at that event in Miami. Right. So that gives you a clue not only of how much the, the market has grown, but the difference between being in a bear market and being in a bull market. You're talking about a six, over 6x increase from, from, I mean, that's, that's huge. That, that's the difference between you losing money on an event and you crushing it, absolutely crushing it. So granted, those things are considerable. You do have to, you can't ignore where you're at in a cycle. Like if you're hosting an event and it's in a bear market, okay, or we're in a, we're in a macroeconomic decline, okay, maybe you need to change your pricing structure. Or maybe now you're doing a virtual event instead of an online or instead of a live event. Right. To, to reduce costs, because, you know, if you've ever hosted a live event, you understand that all your costs or most of your costs, you know, are going to the hotel or the venue. Right. And Perfect. so so it's it's significant. It's it's significant. So understanding that, I mean, even if even if you're not in a cyclical, um, uh, you're not a cyclical industry like I am, like maybe you're in, you know, uh, you know, I guess real estate somewhat cyclical, but. You're, it's not probably as cyclical as as, uh, as, uh, as crypto, but you still got to understand what's going on in the macroeconomy, right? Like things can change pretty quickly. And if you can't adjust to like, maybe you have a host hosting a live event, you need to switch to a virtual event, something like that. Uh, you do need to be aware of that. Otherwise you can, you can wipe yourself out pretty quickly, pretty easily if you're not careful. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for the highlight on that. 
Um, I'm sure there's many listeners here who uh, are investing in crypto and are very aware of uh, some of those factors as well. But yeah, to your point, whatever industry you're in doing an event, then you got to be aware of where you're at in the cycle of that industry or even in the cycle of events in general, right? Like there was a point in time where all events had to go online because of, uh, you know, said pandemic and and now some events are moving back into person and that's a cycle in itself, right? So uh, thankfully you guys were able to do an in-person event recently fairly successfully, which is really cool to see. I saw all those super happy people joining your, your high-end mastermind program, which is great. Um, so speaking about the event itself, Dominic, um, you really hit the stage very well at this event. I know you put in a lot of preparation to make sure that you captivated your audience during the event or some of the things that you focused on during the event to create that community and ultimately to, uh, to get lead to those high paying clients. You know, you were really instrumental in that Rudy in, in contracting you to work with us on that because, um, you know, you were able to really illustrate the four different archetypes that are out there that most people fall into and what they're not only the archetypes themselves, but what, what causes them pain and what causes them pleasure. Right. And being able to weave that messaging into the, into the presentation of the pitch, I think was extraordinarily important. Uh, because the, I probably know some of that, but I didn't know all of it and know it to the degree and then implementing it, obviously, and then practicing it, right? I know we practiced that thing a lot, right? And I, that's another thing I would say to, hey, listen, if you're doing a pitch at an event, which obviously you should be, if you're not, you should be, <laughs> but if, if you're doing a pitch, you really better have that pitch down, right? And the more confident and more uh, certain you are in it and your delivery of it from stage is going to determine your level of, of, you know, level of results that you get. And so having adequate time to really, to really practice that, uh, I think is supremely invaluable. Awesome. Yeah. And for the listeners who um, aren't quite sure what we're referring to, so we're talking about personality archetypes. And uh, what we did is we, we had a little mnemonic way of remembering the four different DISC uh, profiles, right? The, the four main categories and how to be able to speak directly to each one. And we wove that into um, all the critical presentations, including the offer. And it made a difference, man, when you hit the stage and you just came out hitting, you know, basically speaking right to their hearts and their minds. And, you know, you had them, you had them captivated, which was really cool. Too. I appreciate that. No, and, you know, you also helped with a lot of those two little, uh, little two millimeter shifts about like standing tall of where, you know, not, not moving side to side because I'm a pacer, right? When I get on stage, I like to pace. I like to walk. I feel more comfortable doing it, but a lot of times that's not most effective, right? You need to really stay in your, in your center um, and, and be centered when you're delivering those important elements of the, of the, of the presentation. And so you helping me really develop that muscle memory for that uh, was, was really important. I think it, I think it uh, related itself well to the community and to the, uh, to the audience. Yeah, most definitely. You did a great job there, man. Um, so, you know, it, it brings us to the point of the event where it's, it's time to make the invitation, time to ask people to raise their hand and to, you know, become members of your community at a higher level. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, what your approach was at this most recent event and, you know, how you went about doing it? People are always curious to, to wonder, hey, how did they, how did they ask for the sale? How did they enroll people into their mastermind program? So if you, if you could speak to that for our listeners. Yeah. Be yeah, I'd be happy to. So what was what was interesting is we started with an application, right? Uh, so we because you know we're doing a high end mastermind. Our offer was thirty k. Uh, now we did do a payment plan uh, that we offered to people, but the offer is thirty k, and to, and to offer that from stage feels a little bit interesting. Uh, so instead of doing that, 
um, we opted to do an application process. So um, we had uh, black manila envelopes with uh, the, the writing of you're invited in, in uh, like, a, like a silver lettering, right? And so those envelopes had a couple different documents in there. First, they had a letter that was written by our CEO or our, our founder. Uh, and it was just essentially kind of like what we're looking for. It was really underscoring what would make a good fit with us. Like, what is it that we are promising to deliver? And, and so that you have an understanding of what that is. So, so that way there's less, you know, you're minimizing questions by doing that, but you're also really trying to qualify that other person. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not a good fit for this. Okay, great. Then you understand that you're not a good fit. Or someone who wants to aspire to be that good fit, now it makes them want to, you know, move to the next step. So then there's another page that has a QR code on it uh, that people can scan that with their phone, and then it takes them right to the application process, and then they're going to fill in all their information. Now, to your point, another two millimeter shift there was really communicating from stage the importance of them taking this seriously. That this is really an application. It's not that we're just going to let everybody in, which we don't let everybody in. So because we have had bad fits in the past and that that doesn't serve them and it doesn't serve us because now we're having to you know deal with things that we don't want to deal from an accounting perspective and then just you know customer satisfaction things like that right we, we want to make sure that we are a good fit from the get-go and so really it's emphasizing the importance to the audience that hey be as thorough as you possibly can in these questions and that 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 document that you you helped us create and really custom tailor for our audience was really important, Rudy. So so having that now they've completed that they paid the 497. That's the application fee that we that we instilled. You guys might have a different application fee that that you want to do. Ours was 497. Now now we have an interested buyer. We've got somebody who's raised their hand, literally and figuratively. We've got somebody who's raised their hand and said, "I am interested. I want to move to the next step of whatever you guys are offering." Right. And then so the next day or the remainder of that day, I have an opportunity to, to meet with those clients one-on-one -on -one and really ascertain um, whether they're gonna be a good fit or not and how we can best serve them. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I love the way you went about that. Just so tactful, respectful and, and how you led your presentation with a lot of education, right? You led with great market research, um, you know, great statistics and to, to show them like where they're at. And so many people, especially in your space, thought they were maybe too late to get in, right? And that you made it was a really solid case and it just seemed like the natural next step to be part of your community, right? To take advantage of such an amazing timing in the marketplace and timing on, on the planet <laughs> and where we're at right now. And, and I love how you meet with people individually and qualify them and manage their expectations so that they know what they're, you're getting, they know what they're getting and you know what you're getting. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you, th th there's nothing worse than having a bad fit. You don't want a bad fit in your community, right? And I know many people, many gurus in the past who are all, you know, marketing gurus that say, hey, listen, you know, find out who your ideal client is. And the more ideal clients that you can have, the more, you know, it's not going to feel like work, right? Because it's literally, it's a part of your family. They're a part of who you are and who you're trying to serve at the highest level. But you find someone who's not an ideal client and quite the contrary, and it's going to really complicate your life and it's not going to it's going to create you know it's going to create unnecessary strife for you and for them and so not not being afraid to say no if i'm saying that properly so don't be afraid to say no don't be afraid to disqualify someone not just because of money but because of personality because of fit whatever it is don't be afraid to disqualify someone i think also not only does that do but it creates 
it creates a dynamic where you really know who you are and it puts you in a position of power. And uh, I think when you, when you come from that position, uh, I, I just think good things happen. 100%. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, don't be afraid to disqualify someone. Not everybody's a fit. Um, thanks for sharing that, man. And uh, so this kind of brings us to the part of our interview where we're going to do some kind of rapid fire, quick questions, and just to kind of uh, see what you got to share with us here. Um, so I'm curious, what are, would you say, like three secrets that you learn or three strategies of things that you learn from hosting your most recent event that would help other people have profitable and impactful events? Like what are like the top three tips or secrets that you would suggest kind of rapid fire what comes to mind hmm well i'd say really allocating time to connect with people off stage um so many people they're not gonna you know like you're gonna open up for q a and things like that but people aren't gonna they're gonna gonna have the courage to ask questions from their from their seat especially with like a smaller more intimate event our last event was around 100 people so it's even smaller but you, you're still gonna get those people that are not gonna ask those questions so being able to really connect with people not only that but you're gonna have an opportunity now to really find out what their wants needs and desires are right how invaluable is that to understand what their wants needs and desires are now you can like really speak to that and help them and help serve them and why you know being a part of your community at a higher level is so is so valuable right so that's 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 one thing another secret is is you know there, there's little things you can do that really go a long way that are not that not that expensive so like for us for this event we had not a big budget to do this event. Um, it was kind of like we were serving two purposes before we even hosted the event. We were serving our existing clientele, but we also wanted to open it up for potentially new clients. And we were we were producing our event on the back end of another major event from someone else uh, who, who is a big titan in the space. I don't wanna mention their name, but it, they're, they're somebody who has our target market inside of our, inside of our uh, for, for our community, right? So many in their community could also be part of our community. And so we hosted an event on the backside of their event and it was free for them to come in. So being able to really attract them in uh, was great. However, it required an enormous amount of flexibility because prior to that, prior to our first event, we did not know if we were gonna have 30 guests. We didn't know if we were gonna have hundred guests. We didn't know if we we're gonna have 200 guests. So we had to be very, very flexible. And so having some flexibility in uh, built in uh, for us uh, specifically was very, very important. So that's that's number that's, I think, number two. Uh, and number three, I'd say, uh, oh, I know I was going to say the, the two millimeter things. So the small little nuanced things. Right. So, you know, having to step and repeat, having a good videographer there to really capture some B-roll and some testimonials. Right asking the right questions for your testimonials because if you're not if you're not optimizing for good testimonials now you're missing an opportunity to really create a good sizzle video and a good sizzle reel later that you're going to use in your marketing so having those types of things and those are the types of things that i wouldn't recommend skimping a budget on right to pay a little bit more for a videographer that really knows what they're doing and that can edit and cut that to the to the point where you know it's going to really produce sales um that's that's something that you don't want to you don't want to negotiate dollars and cents on, you know. Yeah, yeah, I definitely seen the power of a good videographer recently at events and the be real and how how that helps down the road too. Awesome, man! Thanks for sharing those quick three quick uh, tips there. Now, what would you say is a book or maybe a resource that you would recommend to people who uh, you know want to host profitable live events? 
You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know about a book necessarily. A resource is what I would just do is I would model other events, right? I would connect with other event organizers, whether they're in your same industry or other industries, find out who they're using, find out who's, who they're using for AV. Never use the hotel AV, by the way, like that's just a bad idea in general. Um, you know, and, and with us hosting events in Vegas, I mean, we had to do, we had to, uh, you know, use uh, their unions, right? So that was, that was challenging. Now our AV we were able to use, but with everything else, you're paying triple, quadruple the, the fees that you would normally pay, but you, you, you have really no choice if you're gonna end up using hotels that are unionized uh, hotels. So that's another two millimeter thing that I'd make sure that you're looking at is, is this a unionized uh, venue? Because you're gonna pay more for it. You're gonna pay more for everything. I mean, like when I first heard about how much we had to pay for a cup, like a, one of those things, a coffee at, uh, on the Las Vegas Strip, I about lost my mind. And that was before inflation. Imagine what it is now, right? So, so those things you have to really, really consider. So what I'd recommend is just finding other, other event organizers. Obviously, maybe you don't wanna approach event organizers in your industry, but find some event organizers in other industries that are similar size. So like if you're running a mastermind, who's another mastermind in a similar, in a in maybe a different niche that can, you know, who's done it many years before and, you know, hey, I use this AV company and I've had really good results. Or I use, uh, you know, this company for lanyards and I've had really good results. Or I've had, you know, this videographer, for instance. So, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel. There's other professionals out there that, again, you're going to want to find, but, you know, just doing a Google search may not yield you the, the right people or the right, uh, the right, uh, the right AV person. Now, fortunately, um, I have a good friend of mine who's been in AV for 20 years and he's done a lot of the top, uh, you know, digital marketers events over those, over that, uh, 20 years. So being able to have him as a good friend of mine, that obviously helped things. And then I could rely on him for, you know, Hey, what do you think about this person? Or what about this person? What about this resource? Right. So just being able to have something like that in the event industry, is supremely important. I agree 100%. I love what you said about modeling um, someone else who's gotten the result that you want, right? We have a mutual mentor that talks about this process of, of mastery and you find someone's already done it, who's a master of what they do, you know, go learn from them, have an immersive experience with them, pay them, <laughs> yep. um, you know, and then train with them, right? And to learn that. So same thing applies with events, right? It's important to model and, um, and learn from others. Uh, thanks yeah. for sharing that. I yeah. appreciate it. The same thing we're doing, Rudy, for our customers is the same thing. It's it's literally it's just a recipe that you just keep you just keep using the same recipe no matter what you're doing, whether it's an event or whether you're serving your customers with it. It's the same thing. Yeah, awesome, man. Thank you. And, and Dominic, for our listeners here, for people who want to learn more about you and your service and your company, how can they how can they reach you? What's the best way? Great. Yeah, you can go to our website. You can go to redwoodscrypto.com. Uh, that, you know, we have a, we have a free newsletter that we give out to people who are interested in keeping up to date in crypto. If you got any questions for me, uh, you can, you can, uh, hit me on my email, which is Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C at redwoodscrypto.com. Um, so feel free to drop me a line and, you know, I'll, uh, I'll hit you back. Awesome, man. Appreciate that. And, and just from more of a curious perspective, um, what are, what's like the next summit or the next goal that, that you have that you want to climb and what, what do you perceive to be like the challenge or the obstacle that you want to overcome? Yeah, so great question, Rudy. So we already have an idea on, a, on another event that we can do later, uh, well, late summer, early fall, a live event. Uh, and then our goal is to do two to three um, uh, virtual events this year. 
So that'll be unique uh, because having done live events and then moving into a virtual thing uh, with my dogs barking in the background, that's going to be fun, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but, you know, I actually, I just recently did a virtual event uh, of, you know, like a Tony Robbins virtual event just recently. Uh, and, you know, when he first came out with virtual events, I was like, ah, it's going to be nowhere near, you know, the experience that, because that, I'm used to doing his events live, right? So it's going to be nowhere near the quality, right? And I was astounded. Now, obviously, he's the best in the industry of what he does. You know, he's been doing this for many, many years. Uh, but for him to pivot from virtual, from live events to virtual events, and for it to still be the, the quality that it was, I was astounded. I couldn't believe how great it was. I mean, I'm sitting there with my daughter and we're having a blast and we're jumping around. It was like we were being at a rock concert in our house. Now, for me to be able to share that with her in a virtual environment is not something I would have been able to do when we, you know, doing live events, you know, take her out of school for a week and then take her to take her to Chicago to go to a live event. But now in this virtualized environment, this 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 uh, economy that we live in that's now virtualized is it enables that to happen. So, you know, granted, it's harder to keep people's attention. But if we can do that, if we can captivate people's attention and keep them glued to what we're what our message is from a virtual environment, think about how many more people you can scale to, how many more eyeballs you can get access to, and how many more people you can serve. And it's really exciting and at a lower cost, at a far infinitely lower cost. So I think it's just really exciting to be able to, you know, now that you know the world's kind of starting to open up and there is a demand to get out there and, and get into live events, but still having the virtual where we can kind of lean back on and say, hey, it's there if we need it. Yeah, I agree, man. Virtual is here to stay for sure. And it's only getting better. And yeah, live events in person are back too. But I think moving forward, the virtuals will be here and there'll be combinations of the two hybrid or what have you. Um, congratulations on setting the target of two to three virtual events this year. That's, that's exciting. And uh, look forward to seeing how that develops. And uh, again, one more last personal question here. What's the legacy you want to leave, Dominic? When it's all said and done, what do you, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, man, I, that's a that's a really great question. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I uh, in 2017, um, I the light bulb moment. I you know, as everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people, they experience this kind of uh, eureka moment in their life where they're like, you know, nothing, nothing's the same after that moment. And for me, that was that moment in late 2017 when I, after all the study and all the research, I realized that blockchain that there was going to be no greater financial opportunity in my life than there was going to be afforded by the innovation of blockchain and crypto over the next two decades. And so having that, that realization uh, has driven my behavior. I redesigned my entire career. I used to be a pharmacist before all this, like, believe it or not, it's kind of doesn't really match my identity, but uh, <laughs> it was so I'm told. But once I redesigned that and shifted perspective and, and completely changed my uh, career path, you know, my goal and my purpose now is to, is to carry that torch and, and share with as many people the enthusiasm that I have for this technology and how big of an opportunity it is. And so my legacy is if I can just help one small person to really kind of open that, just for that light bulb moment to go on for them, I've done my, I've done my service. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, for people who are still listening at this point, I do recommend um, you know, follow Dominic, follow their company, go to writewoodscrypto.com, get on their mailing list and tune into what they have to share. There's a lot of really great education out there that they provide. And uh, they are, there's a lot of bad education out in the space as well, unfortunately, but I think Redwoods uh, Crypto and Dominic and their team provide really great resources, really trustworthy 
above the board, honest, um, non-hypey <laughs> resources in, in a market full of sharks. <laughs> Dominic, you guys have a, uh, a nonprofit, I believe, that you support yeah. as well. Can you just, just really briefly share a little bit about the cause and give a quick shout out for that? And we'll leave a, we'll leave a link for it in our show notes as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Rudy. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so kind of the genesis of how we were created was we were inspired by a meditation that our founder had, uh, Vijay, Vijay Anma. And uh, so he had a meditation. He was actually in the Redwoods Forest. And he, one of these things that he was wondering about is like, you know, how to create a very uh, uh, anti-fragile portfolio. And so redwood trees, suffice it to say, I won't go into the real details here, but they're, they're one of the most anti-fragile organisms in the world, um, you know, with their intense structure and so robust and so strong. And so we felt that that was a good analogy to what we were trying to create and help investors navigate both boom and bust markets in crypto. And so redwoods became the name of our company. And then we're like, okay, well, you know, there's this nonprofit called Save the Redwoods. And uh, so for every member that we have that comes in, we plant a redwood tree uh, seedling for them. And so uh, it's important for us to save the redwoods because, you know, with everything going on in the world and, you know, how things are changing and climates and all that stuff, uh, they're being impacted just like many other different things, uh, many other different uh, nuances throughout the, throughout the uh, you know, the climate. So that's near and dear to us. Uh, so Save the Redwoods is, a, is a, a, a cause that we like to support. Awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. We'll be sure to share a link with our listeners as well. Well, Dominic, it's been a pleasure having you on as our special guest today. Thank you for sharing your expertise, not only in events, but also in the crypto and blockchain space and your enthusiasm uh, for sharing that with other people. It's really appreciated. And it's everything shared today. Thank you so much, man. Wishing you well on your endeavors. And for uh, audience listening to the show, if you found value, Please be sure to give it a positive rating in the in the show store wherever you're listening to it. And if you know someone who is hosting an event soon or is thinking about hosting an event, be sure to share this episode and this podcast with them as well. Again, thank you, Dominic. Appreciate you for being on. And uh, that's a wrap. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you for listening to the High Profit Event Show. If you are a seminar leader or thought leader or event service provider who has led or supported profitable, successful events to over 100 people and you've been effective at enrollment into your high-end coaching, education, mastermind tech programs, we're looking for guests. Love to have you on the show. You can go to our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com, click on the podcast tab and submit an application to be on our show. Also, if you found the show to be valuable, share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Take a moment, please leave a review and also subscribe if you haven't already. And lastly, if you have an upcoming uh, event, whether it be virtual or in person, and you'd like to have a conversation about how to fill your coaching, education, mastermind programs fast using events, you're welcome to book a complimentary 15 minute uh, consult with either myself or a member of my team on our website virtualeventsalesteam.com. Again, this is Rudy Rodriguez and congratulations on investing the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's been valuable. Have a great day.